Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Friday morning, the 11th of February. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. The government announced last night how it hopes to help everyone afford the increase in the cost of living. In the overall scheme of things, it's a small spend by government standards. Overall, we have added uh, just over €300 million Euro worth of additional measures. Add that €300 million to the €200 million announced in December to discount electricity bills by €100, Euro, and it makes an overall package costing some €500 million. Euro. First of these is the decision to increase uh, the energy credit announced in December uh, from €100 Euro excluding VAT to €200 Euro inclusive of VAT. This is a one-off measure to assist all households with their energy bills and will be applied in the March-April billing cycle. So, €113.50 becomes 200 off an electricity bill. We've also decided to make a one-off payment of €125 Euro to recipients of the fuel allowance. That'll be paid in the first two weeks of March. Then more people will become eligible for the working family payment sooner than was expected. We're bringing forward a planned increase of €10 Euro in the weekly threshold announced on Budget Day to the 1st of April. The threshold for the drugs payment scheme is to be reduced from €100 Euro monthly to €80 Euro monthly. Another measure the government is taking will bring down the cost of public transport from early in May. By providing a discount of 20% on PSO public transport fares, this will be a time-limited incentive uh, to the end of the current year. And then there is to be a change to the school transport scheme. The cap currently stands at €220 per family at primary level and €650 per family at post-primary level. A reduced cap of €500 per family at post-primary level and €150 per family at primary level uh, will now be implemented. Ministers Michael McGrath and Pascal Donoghue making uh, those announcements last night. Let's uh, speak uh, to local TD, Damien English, who's Minister of State for Business, Employment and Retail. Good morning, Minister, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. What impact do you expect from these measures? Good morning, Michael, um, and thanks for having me on. Uh, I suppose, Michael, the two things are, well, this is an effort, uh, this, with this package, which currently is just over half a billion, as you said yourself, matching up with the extra billion put, put in across social welfare payments and tax pay, uh, paybacks on the budget just gone. We hope to be able to assist families manage their bills. 
uh, and individuals over the year ahead. We recognise uh, that inflation is quite high at the moment. At budget time, it was predicted by all involved that it will be around 2%. It's, it's gone to 5%. Uh, and these pressures, we hope, are temporary, uh, and we and we uh, and we hopefully these will be eased off in the middle of the year and towards the end of the year. But for now, we have to do all we can to respond within our our, our budget to try to respond to assist people in in the weeks and months ahead because it's a difficult time for everybody as we come out of COVID. It's part of the reason why we have high inflation, but it's causing serious pressure for people, and this is a response to try to assist that. I think, from for me, if you if you add together this package and the and the budget package, and um, for for a lot of families. Um, it will it will it'll help them to the tune of about probably six or seven hundred euro in total over the year, which will um, help them with with their extra energy costs because it's mainly driven by energy costs. The, 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 this inflationary measure and this will go some way. I think we're very clear. And so it's passing done who Michael McGrath. Mm. We know we can't reach everybody. That sounds this like a, everybody a lot of. It sounds like a, a lot of money, Minister. Uh, how is it going to? I mean, two hundred is uh, the grant for energy. Uh, so how's it going to amount to six, seven hundred euro for people who are struggling? Yeah, if you add up the, the budget changes um, in relation to the social welfare package uh, before Christmas, along with the tax measures, along with this grant and all the other various announcements yesterday. Five euro for social welfare? Yeah, so you take up the, the pension changes and the living alone allowance and then this 200 euro, it comes to about a little over 600 euro from many people. Again, the amounts of money will differ across families, but if you do, if you do the sums are, and that will... Okay, but if your welfare payment increased by five euro, uh, you're talking about 260 euro over the course of the year. And your 200 euro, 200 euro payment is 460, and then the other changes here to the drug payments and to the transfer costs and so on, it's and for many families it'll be because it's on average in five hundred, for many others it'll be six hundred. Okay. It will be a bit more. But Michael, I will be very clear mm. here. We're saying we know this will not deal with all the inflation measures, mm. but it's an assistance towards them. We can't deal with every cost here or reach everybody, but we're trying to within our own. Well energy right? bills are going to increase by about seven or eight hundred, aren't they? Or a thousand perhaps? It, again it, it yeah. varies on consumption. Uh, yeah, and gro- gross grocery bills are going to increase by about eight hundred on average, aren't they? Uh, again, Michael, it depends on everyone's individual spend. I'm, I'm very mm. clear on this, and, and so are the government. We know this does not compensate for all the inflationary measures. Right. But it's an assistance towards that. We've also made other changes to the minimum wage and other uh, job, you know, wage increases well across the board for, for many people too. That's happening. But there's, people are under pressure. There's no mm. doubt about that. This is an effort well, to assist with that. Well, uh, the the inflation uh, is uh, rising at a level that it's pushing people over the edge. Do you accept that? So there's, there's two things, Michael, and I want to be clear on this as well. Uh, number one, these measures here will be of assistance to many, many people. Number two, then, you and on your radio programme, myself and my office, and all of us know many people then who are under extreme pressure and have individual stories. And I will say to all of them that they should engage with our community welfare officers through social protection. They are there to deal with people who are in extreme difficult situations, who do have exceptional uh, extra needs and extra expenses. And, and, and Michael, to be clear... That's, that's a bit like going to the there. soup kitchen, isn't it? When you've really got nothing, you go down to the community welfare office uh, and beg. Michael, Michael, I'm going to say that's a disgraceful comment. Um, my father was community welfare officer and I spent many time with him uh, over the last 40 years mm. working, working with him and seeing the clients he looks after and none of us know who they are or who they might be today or tomorrow so I want to say you're completely wrong in that assessment uh, this is when families hit difficult times okay. have, you ever gone, have you ever gone to the community welfare officer and, and, to, uh, and to explain your situation that you just no matter how hard you've tried can't put food on the table 
I can be very clear. I, I, I didn't have to do that. But, no. But I've worked... But, but Mike, I want to make a point here. But when you can't put food on the table, does it not feel like you're destitute, uh, like you're going to a soup kitchen? To, to be clear, Michael, everybody goes through difficult times, right? In my office, on a weekly basis, I work with families and individuals who have to prepare their case. Yeah, no, but you said I made a disgraceful comment, Minister, I, which I, 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 I kind I of take to exception I, to I, I because did. I'm outlining the situation that people are finding themselves in because of the failure of the yeah. state to support them. Yeah, well, I take exception to you to, to you saying that, that that the people, you know, I, I it's, it's unfair to compare it to, to a soup kitchen. That's a different scenario. The social welfare and community that welfare despite all your best efforts, you can't put food on the table. What, 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 what's the difference? Yeah. Okay, look, Michael, we're, we're going to disagree over the soup kitchen, yeah. kitchen comment, but let's be very clear to your listeners. Right. There is a service there that if they're in extreme poverty, even after these initial announcements, yeah. which which are not a money. So you can go down to the community social welfare you, officer you can. and. Uh, uh, and uh, and, and Michael, Michael, the point I want yeah. to make is, we, we, you know, because I deal a lot with the social protection offices and, and, our, and my own office, we work with loads of families in difficult circumstances and there hasn't been a massive increase in the demand for their services and I want to remind people that that service is there and because of the, and the reason I probably mm. maybe, maybe overreacted to your comment was because I do know families find it very difficult to go and seek that help. That's so the point I, I was know, making. Yeah, it, it, and it, it, I, I said that maybe I overreacted, Michael, but I just thought that puts people off even more. And, yeah. and that's I want to encourage people to use the service, not discourage it. And I'm very familiar with the service because since I was a young but person... But why are we putting people in that situation? Is it necessary to put people in that situation? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you understand, you can empathise with how difficult it is to go down and say, I can't cope uh, to yeah, a I civil guess. servant and beg for their help. Uh, they look at every aspect of your life, everything that's come in, everything that's gone out, and then they'll decide whether they can give you a few quid or not so that you can get dinner for the next couple of days. And then you might have to go back the next week and the next week if that continues to be the situation. Okay. That is a, that is a dreadful situation for people to be in. Is it necessary that it is so? Michael, two things. First of all, I, I, don't, I don't... Look, your way of saying it's begging. It's not begging. Begging families for different reasons, different circumstances, even in good times with the economy. It's not an entitlement. So call call it what you will. So you're going down and you're asking for assistance, for charity from the state, begging, whatever words you want to put on. It's not an entitlement. It's very different than you going and claiming what you're entitled to. It's going down to somebody who has to assess your personal situation and see if it's desperate enough that you would get something outside of what is normally given to people in receipt of social welfare or otherwise. So, so the reason that service is there, uh, and just to give me a second to explain this, that service is, is always there in good times and bad times because you or I or none of us ever know what family needs extra assistance today or tomorrow. And you, you could be surprised who needs the extra help. So that assessment is there. It's, uh, and it's, it's a judgment call is made by the community welfare officer if a family today or tomorrow or for the next three or four weeks needs extra assistance. That could be a family that for whatever reason have fallen on, on more harder times than others and they just need a temporary uh, support. Uh, and to me, that's, that's what the essential mm. service is for. But again, Michael, the majority of families won't need that, but will benefit from the assistance that yeah. we announced yesterday. We're trying, I recognise, yeah, but you see, Michael, the same as you, that's, that's for, for some people, there's going to be extreme... Yeah, you see, ahead, you see I heard them. Michael McGrath, uh, the Minister for Public Expenditure, say the same thing on another radio interview earlier this morning. Uh, and this is obviously the way you're all being briefed, to say, well, look, if... This has pushed you over the edge. You can go to the community welfare officer uh, and we're trying to help everybody and some people will find them. That 
is very, very hard to understand, given the fact that you're giving this money to people who don't need it. You're giving people €200 who won't notice it. Why is that the case? Why are you sending people down to beg or to ask for mercy or to ask for some sort of understanding because the state can't support them to be self-sufficient despite their best efforts? So, again, a couple of points on that, uh, Michael, and I want to reinforce this. Um, The quickest way and and the most effective way on behalf of the taxpayer to to give the support in the the weeks ahead was through this universal payment tax energy credit back. I accept, and we all know that, that some people will get that that don't necessarily need it and others could do it more. And that's why we're we're emphasising the other service that's there because not everybody is aware of that. And and with respect, with, with the way you're portraying that service today, it'll put some people off using that service. Michael, I sat in houses that would surprise you of people who need assistance. None of us know what goes on behind the door of a house. So it's important that we remind everybody that service is there regardless of what the, the perception is mm. of, of your family. I'm not sure, that I, w- I'm not sure that I would be surprised with respect and I don't mean that in a no-wall way. No, I also understand how difficult it is for people to go to the community welfare office. I haven't been briefed to say this. I'm familiar with that service because I have to avail of it with my clients probably most weeks. And I'm familiar with it all my life because it was something my family was involved in. So I'm aware of it. I've not been briefed to say that. I recognise how essential that service is. But let's move on on top of that. We recognise that these measures, hopefully, the inflationary measures, will be temporary. So this is a temporary response uh, of about a half a billion to try to assist people. Well, maybe we, week. maybe we go back to the community social welfare. Let's not move off it so quickly because the intention of that is that it is in extreme, exceptional circumstances that people go to the community welfare officer, isn't it? It's when, when an individual family has, has, a, has a difficult case that it, does not... Extreme, does exceptional not circumstances. No, it, no it's, 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 it's a judgment call. By yes. The but what happens is, right, when you announce a package like yesterday, yeah. that's 500 million, it's fair to say... That you're making it the norm for people to go to the community welfare officer. No, no Michael. The point I'm making to you is, when you announce a package of measures, like, mm. like the pub payments during the COVID, that's a quick response to reach as many people as you possibly can. But we all recognise that there's individual cases, A, that don't need it, and B, that need more. So you do have social welfare services to try to assist but those. But why but give listen- it to people who don't need it? But I, I've listened to a lot of families uh, over the last week telling their story, and I listen to their stories, and, and, I, and, I, and I know that there is support out there for them, which they, for whatever reason, have not mm. been able to get. So I'm taking the opportunity today to remind people that this service is there. Uh, and, and you don't have to be... Well, it, it shouldn't in, be the norm. Uh, I mean, I think no, that's the point. The no, it should not, be for extreme exceptional circumstances. And when government representatives are, are, are out stressing that that is, is there, it sounds as though it's going to become the norm. Uh, and at no, the same well, time, and, and at the yeah, same time, we're giving €200 Euro to people who don't need it. Yeah, so, so again, and there's a reason for that, because we're, we're trying to find the quickest way to get this, this money out to people. And, and, and again, we don't know... Like, Again, but it won't happen till April, May. It can be done much quicker than that. Yeah, it will. No, it'll happen. I mean, that, that's, that, that, that argument doesn't wash yeah. either. I mean, that's, that, that's, not, that, that, that's not a credible argument. The payment won't be made till April, May. Uh, so you're saying that you can't target the money by that time? The, the difficulty is the quickest way and the most cost-effective way on behalf of the taxpayer is to make it a universal payment. I accept, like any payment, when it's, when it's universal, some families that don't need it will get it, but the majority will need it. 
Uh, and that's, that's very clear with that because there's loads of income brackets that are out there working hard trying to pay all sorts of bills that need assistance here. And we've gone, those who are in the lower pay brackets and those who today will get the fuel allowance on top of the 200 euro get an extra 125 euro because we recognise and we can find that group because they're already drawn down the fuel allowance. So we know we can target the payment at them. So where we're very clear and can see who needs this, there is an extra payment for them on top of that. And then there is the universal payment as well because it's very hard to know uh, exactly who needs this assistance and who needs this help. Because we well, would somebody, would somebody earning €80,000 a year need assistance? More than likely they won't, Michael. No, so, so why give it to somebody who got a pay increase of €82,000? And again, there's very few people in that category. Yeah, but, but, that, but why give somebody a, a pay increase of €82,000 when you're asking other people to go to the community welfare officer? Yeah, so there's, there's two things there. The, any, anybody that's, that, that got pay increases over the last couple of years, um, that's part of pay deals that reflect their position in the public sector and what level they're on. So that's, that's why across the board everybody got the same percentage. Many no, that's not true. That. That's not true many in the case of Robert Watt, is it, Minister? Many of us don't take that. So Minister, again, is that the case in, uh, in Robert uh, Watt's situation? Yeah, so in relation to uh, any increases that he got personally in his job is linked to pay deals. The position he now fills before he took up that job was advertised at a certain pay level to attract in talent. Mm. He won the job and since that then, like everybody else, he qualifies for greater increases. But oh. again, my... How, how can somebody balance that in their mind? Uh, if, if, you know, they're not spending all of... If they're not spending all of their money on drink, if they're not spending all of their money on drugs, if they're not spending all of their money on gambling, uh, if uh, their rent has increased, uh, their shopping has increased, uh, they're doing everything to shop around best they can, uh, they can't afford to put petrol in the car... Uh, another bill comes in for some reason or another for a few hundred euro out of the blue, a burst pipe or God knows, uh, and suddenly they're looking at the ceiling saying, I can't cope, and they have to go down to the community welfare officer uh, and ask for assistance because they can't cope despite everything they do. How can they balance in their mind that the government has given a pay increase to one individual of €82,000, bringing his overall salary to €300,000? Yeah, so, so you, you can't balance that out because uh, they're, they're two separate issues. In relation to that position and that job, the person from that job was, was being advertised, was being asked to come in and manage a health service uh, that spends $22 billion a year and employs the goats of 140,000 people. I would say to anybody, compare that to any other company that manages a fund of 20 billion plus and you'll see what they get paid. So to be honest, there are separate discussions. I know to anybody today under extreme pressure trying mm. to pay for the I-bill, that looks like a, a, like a, like a nightmare. I, I, I totally accept that. Mm. But, but to be honest, Michael, I think you and I both know you, you can't compare the two. Cause well, the last fellow did it for 220,000 and I'm sure Joe Biden would be looking at it thinking, God, I wouldn't mind money like that. Yeah, we all know Joe Biden is, a, is probably at this stage a millionaire two times over. They're, they're two separate situations, Michael. We are trying to find someone to help us run our health service, which we all know wants to reform it and we want to change and we want to drive it. Uh, and through uh, a public appointment service that many people applied for, uh, the person you mentioned won that job uh, and obviously had a CV to prove he could do that. So we will judge him on, on his work. To be honest with you, if he, if he helps us reform the health service and gives a better delivery, it'll be money well spent. If he doesn't, we'll be looking for somebody else to do the job, but let's be clear about that as well. Mm. But in relation to trying to assist people and families, this is again using taxpayers' money in a, in a way we, we think will help the majority of people who need it. Of course, 
there's a few who need extra and will reach them in different ways and there's a few who don't need it. But the majority will get this, do need it and are under pressure today and that's what we're trying to achieve. Well, why not, not saying well, it's a perfect model. No, no but, but, but I mean, there were other ways of doing it. Uh, you could have held a, a mini budget. Uh, you could have increased all welfare payments, uh, used that 400 million that's going to go uh, on uh, the electricity bills uh, to increase all welfare payments or, or, or give a Christmas type bonus uh, to everybody who's on welfare and uh, surely they're the people who are most in need I'm sure you saw the survey from the Society of St Vincent de Paul and they spelled it out for you it's uh, lone parents it's people who are renting and it is predominantly the unemployed who are uh, finding it very hard to cope yeah, and, and last week, from my understanding, is that the majority of those groups, and I think nearly all the opposition parties that are today giving out for this, this 200 euro, are looking for 200 euro. So, again, this is a response without going down the road of a, of a mini budget, which takes a lot longer, and it's a lot more complicated for other reasons, which I'll discuss in a minute. This is an intervention now to make a payment. We have just, uh, only a few months ago in the budget, increased social welfare payments. Uh, at the time, um, bearing in mind what we thought the country was going to be in relation to inflation, there's now, it appears to be a temporary rise in inflation. If it becomes permanent, then we have to relook at it again. The hope is, and all the commentary and all the assessments would be, that this is generally fueled by the, re- the reopening of society after COVID and the increase in energy prices, which are also related to COVID as well. And hopefully, for all of us and for the country and every other country, this, these prices will come back down as this year progresses. But we will monitor that and we will respond accordingly if it doesn't. But we also have to try to manage the tax base of this country as best we possibly can to drive a recovery and to be able to continue to have money for education and for health and community services and everything else mm. as well. So you are trying to balance it out, like every in the household. The government trying to balance as well. But if this proves to be not enough and inflation continues to be higher later in the year and into next year, then there'll be other responses by government as well. This is a, a, a quick, temporary response to what we believe will be a, a temporary rise driven by energy costs that are out of our control. And I think it's a, a response that will help. It won't mm. solve the full problem, but okay. we can to monitor that. I saw Leo Vratker on the television last night and the tarnish was saying it'll probably last at least a couple of years. We don't expect that. In relation to the energy costs, I think all the assessments would be uh, that they will that they will come back down uh, as production increases. Mm. Uh, but but uh, we're going to be living with inflation for the next few years. If we don't manage it correctly, and that's also why you don't want you don't you have to be careful what extra money you pump into. We recognise that over the last two years, through through all the, the response to COVID, there was an, an extra nearly forty billion in, in, invested in jobs and businesses and support and health service for this country. Uh, that, along with our, our, our jobs-led recovery, if, if not managed correctly, can drive up inflation in addition to the external measures. At the moment, the inflation has been caused by external uh, international measures in relation to energy prices, as well as COVID and the reopening of COVID as well. We'll do all we can to try to balance that and manage that within this country. Uh, and, and if we do that correctly, we'll be able to have a jobs-led recovery that won't lead to inflation. But we did discuss, Michael, with you a few weeks ago, we've come off probably a decade of very low inflation, uh, probably none in most cases. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's crept up rapidly now over the last couple of months. And we are trying to respond to that yeah. as quickly as we can. Two decades, I think. Uh, but uh, we leave there for the moment, Minister. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme uh, this morning. Uh, that is uh, Damien English, who's a Fine Gael TD for Mead West and uh, the Minister of State for Business, Employment and Retail. 
Now, legislation went uh, before uh, the Senate uh, yesterday, which would allow for safe access zones uh, around health care providers uh, that provide abortion services. Uh, the Minister Stephen Donnelly addressed the House and he said that uh, the Gardaí tell him that they don't need additional powers. There's, there's uh, enough in the way of legislation to stop inappropriate protests of that sort. But the Minister said he, he didn't agree and he felt himself uh, that legislation of some sort is necessary. These sorts of tactics, this, sorts of, this sort of intimidation is not okay. I've spoken with GPs uh, who've been on the receiving end of this uh, and the receiving end of this where they have their clinics uh, beside their home through the same gate. Uh, not related to termination of pregnancy services. I've been on the receiving end of it. My children have been on the receiving end of it. I know what it feels like, and I know what it feels like as a parent when your home is targeted. And we will not stand for women in this country being intimidated and being attacked and being abused and being moralised at in accessing healthcare services in this country. So the only question that I am concerned about is, what is the quickest and most robust way to get us there. That's it. That's all I'm interested in. Um, Now, for us to do this, though, we need to be really honest with each other. This is complicated. It was promised years ago. It wasn't legislated for by the previous government, in part because the previous minister was presented with a huge amount of legal opinion that said that this either was unnecessary or was unconstitutional or would have too much of a chilling effect on uh, civil liberties, uh, which we also obviously hold sacred in our country. Put another way, it won't work and uh, the Minister wouldn't be supportive of the legislation as proposed. Let's speak uh, to Independent Senator Ronan Mullen, who wouldn't be supportive of the legislation as proposed, but uh, for different reasons, I think, Ronan Mullen. Yeah, look, at what's going on here, Michael, is that the minister is desperate to placate whatever those abortion activists, politicians demanding more and more in this area, uh, whatever they say has to be agreed with. The Garda Commissioner has long on the record as having said, legislation to deal with any of the stuff we would all disagree with, anything that might ever be intimidating, etc., etc., already exists. It's not happening. And, of course, there are all these concerns that trying to silence any kind of witness or presence, however polite, however decent, however respectful, however discreet, that that has to be outlawed. That's what's behind this legislation. I showed this is a badly drafted piece of legislation brought forward by Sinn Féin and supported by other um, I, I, broadly on the left mm. in the Shannon. And I showed yesterday that if, for example, I give the scenario, you might have three women, let's say, sitting in a coffee shop within 100 metres, let's say, of a hospital where abortions might or might not be taking place. And if one of them disclosed in conversation, well, you know, I'm involved in the, in the termination of pregnancy, and if another said, listen, I, I disagree with that, I think it's unethical, I'd encourage you not to do it, they'd be caught by this law. 
You know, that's how intolerant the Sinn Féin law is. And there was nobody able to, because I read it out to them in plain English, uh, what was in the bill. And there okay, was nobody but, able to contradict it. And the minister didn't address any of my points at all. All we got... Okay, uh, the minister says the bill is flawed anyway. But, uh, I right? mean, the minister says the bill is flawed anyway. But the point here is, is it not that the minister's children, no children, should be bullied about abortion, should they? Oh, absolutely not. But no, protests shouldn't no take place outside of uh, a politician's house oh, uh, for any purpose. I, I, I'm to- I, I agree, but, the, but there's no... And what about the point the minister on. made there about women being intimidated, attacked, abused and moralised at when they're accessing healthcare services? Yeah, and, and there's no evidence that any of this is happening. And this is the interesting point. When this bill was brought forward... Uh, some months ago, and I challenged Senator Gavin, um, and I get on perfectly well with him personally, but you have to call out things when you see them. He, he, he gave us to understand that this kind of intimidation was going on in Limerick, that people were being targeting. Limerick Hospital subsequently said that it had received no complaint and it was satisfied that there was no problem. So I highlighted this in the Shannon yesterday, and I asked Senator Gavin, look, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you deliberately you know, I said, I don't know whether you knew that what, what was being told to you was untrue or not, but you certainly didn't come forward to correct the record subsequently when Limerick Hospital said what it did. So there seems to be a pattern here of people putting up claims uh, about behaviour that is intimidatory. Uh, but the reality well, the, 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 of what seems to be going on at most is that you have some discreet presences around the country generally involving older people. In fact, I happen to know in one case in the country, it's an uncle of, of a government minister, coincidentally. Mm. Um, it, it, very often they're involved in prayer. Now, I've always said, you know, when I make arguments about abortion, I don't refer to religion because no, to me, no. the right yeah. to life is a human mm. rights issue. Yeah. But there are people who seek through, through prayer to, to maybe hope that the, well, that the people would have a change of heart. Isn't that dreadful? Isn't that, isn't that dreadful, abusing people, using prayer to abuse people? I, I mean, I, I, I've heard of protests outside of Limerick, outside of uh, the Rotunda, outside of the Lord's Hospital in Drogheda at GP's offices, and it seems most GPs are scared off providing abortion services. Uh, if uh, I remember correctly, uh, it's uh, 92% of GPs don't provide abortion services. So uh, I, I don't believe you're, you're I don't think you you, mean, you can mean that. I mean, if you're talking well, about a few people, let's say outside of a hospital in a city, um, who, who 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 pray, I I I, I don't disgraceful, abs- absolutely disgraceful. Uh, okay, that's what the minister the said. Mo- that's what that, that's the, the the word the minister used was moralizing. Uh, you're entitled to your religious beliefs. Do not stand outside what is a, a public health service and moralise for people accessing that health service. Yeah, and exactly. And that's an attempt to stigmatise people who choose to to hope for something better than abortion. Now, we... we to stigmatise people who... How is it? It's, it's asking them to uh, behave with respect for other people. Protest, fair enough, protest. But don't stand outside moralising by praying for somebody because they're accessing something that uh, is available through the public health service. Yeah, well, you're entitled to your point of view if that's your point of view. I think you're putting that to me in order to kind of be seen to put both sides because, quite frankly, um, in a free country, you, 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 the whole point about allowing protest, the whole point, but, but I wouldn't even call it protest because the thing is, 
to, to the best of my knowledge, it's people who are gentle, gently witnessing. They believe that lives are being ended in abortion. They want to see something different happen. Mm. They want to see a more just solution. And, you know... It, well, quite often now, 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 in all honesty, Ronan, now seriously, I mean, if you're talking about people standing outside... Because, because in a free society, Michael... You know, we we have to, we, and and I think there's more. I know. Hold, no, no, hold, no, no, no. Just just put it put it into perspective. I mean, you're talking about people standing outside a GP's office praying, uh, and people going in there for all sorts of reasons, being upset because somebody is outside the office praying about abortion. Uh, there could be pregnant women going in there, or into a hospital, or into an obstetric unit, or or whatever, and they may have problems with their uh, pregnancy. Uh, they may be going in uh, to access uh, abortion services. Uh, they may be in a, a crisis at a very upsetting time where they've made a very big decision and people are standing outside judging them like that? I mean, really, is that the time and the place for that sort of protest? Well, I'm not going to suggest that people who, who pray are judging other people. In fact, most people who pray know that they're not supposed to are allowed to judge other people. That's the first point. The second point is, you know, just because you disagree with what people are doing, the free society that we all want to live in provides that people, provided they don't intimidate or do anything that we would all disagree with, must be allowed to communicate. But, by but the, I think that's the point. It would be very intimidating. Here's what, here's what you're ignoring and stuff that I brought out yesterday. This minister told the Health Committee on the 8th of December that there would be an open recruitment process for the person who is going to be the independent chair of the person who's re- re- reviewing the, uh, of the three-year abortion legislation. He turned his back on that commitment. He never told anybody. They quietly contacted a number of people to express interest, and they appointed supposedly an independent chairperson, and all of this is on the record of the Shannon, who had engaged in a patter, pattern of tweeting around the time of repeal. And one senator, actually, when I brought this forward yesterday, by the way, the minister's strategy yesterday was not to answer a single question that I asked, uh, not to deal with a single uh, piece of evidence that I brought uh, the thing. So all of this, all of this is about uh, placating the outrage of people who want to claim the things that are going on that aren't going on uh, in order to continue to push the case for fewer and fewer restrictions on abortion. It is a political uh, tactic. And I just think that, you know, although I don't um, do any of this sidewalk, in, in other countries there have been problems where people um, behave in, in ways that nobody would agree with. But where you have quiet, decent people who choose to pray, not my choice, but it's theirs, or perhaps who choose to pray, offer... Pray in the face of, of someone in a crisis who, who is acting completely legally in a terrible crisis uh, and telling them they'll rot in hell, in other words. But sorry, Michael, you, you, I, I think you must be joking. This stuff, nobody is suggesting that this is going on at all. I believe there are... But you said it's okay if people do that. And I think you, I think, and I'm sure you will, um, you need to ask those who make claims about what's going on here, whether this is actually going on at all. But I thought you said it would be okay for people to stand outside praying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and the implication of that, the the the, the, insi- the insinuation is that uh, they're praying for the soul of uh, the child who's about to be aborted and the woman who's about uh, to terminate the pregnancy because they're going to rot in hell. Uh, I mean, it, no, Michael, no, sorry, that that is that, that is a tabloid presentation of what people <laughs> might be doing. Uh, you you could have, let's say, you could have an elderly person who 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 who. who 
who believes as many yeah, people they had their vote they had their vote in a democracy they had their vote in a democracy and they and there is place for them to, to protest the hand, somebody is saying you're going to rock and have, I don't I wouldn't tolerate that for one minute that would be intimidation and harassment and by the way the law is already there to deal with that okay. so what I'm trying to say to you is um, don't fall for false claims being made uh, alleging intimidatory or uh, behaviour or unpleasant stuff unless evidence is produced that is actually going okay. on. Well, I don't believe that's going on and I don't believe in a society that is so intolerant that people who behave themselves, who are discreet, but who might choose to stand at a discreet distance outside of a hospital, not knowing what may or may not be going on, that is part of what goes on in a democracy. And if you don't okay. want to live in a democracy, get ready for some of the things you want to protest about uh, being outlawed. Mm, okay. All right. Well, it's never been an easy conversation. Uh, I don't think today was any different, uh, but thanks for having it with us. It's much thanks. appreciated, no as always. That's Independent Senator Ronan Mullen. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now let me bring you some of uh, the comments that have been coming to us uh, this morning. Uh, an awful lot of people in touch with us, it has to be said. Uh, we had Tony in County Louth who said, uh, Michael, you might ask Damien English, was there any objectors to the recent €1,000 raise that they gave themselves on top of uh, the 5000 only a year or so ago? And uh, they were the first salaries to be restored after the crash on salaries like this, uh, what would they know about the plight of the ordinary worker on minimum wage and slightly above? And despite these generous salaries and expenses, he and his 165 colleagues will also receive this, plus the €200 Euro handout. And thank you indeed, Tony and County Loud, for your text to the programme. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, let's go uh, to Little Grange in uh, the parish of uh, Tully Allen in County Louth to, to speak to Christine O'Farrell. Good morning to you, Christine, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, you've been through a lot in the last 24 hours. I can't describe uh, the pictures that I've been looking at. Uh, I can't imagine what it must have been for you to experience uh, what... Uh, I would describe as a bloodbath, a terrible scene. Uh, five lambs uh, have uh, been destroyed by a, a dog uh, and uh, at least one you, possibly two, is it? Yes, that's right, Michael. Good morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, yesterday around lunchtime, we were coming back the road from Dow's, having looked at other sheep and seen all these girls of ours in the field huddled up and assumed straight away there had to be a dog out in the field. So... Um, Yes, we got up to the gate, seen a dog. My mother hopped out, went into the field. I made my way then down to the park to see, was the dog making its way back down there and came across the owner, a lady who was looking for her dog. She had two other um, dogs with her as well. Um, she she was immediately horrified to discover what was happening and I, um, I'd, uh, I'd seen the dog on the way down the road eating a lamb, so I knew that there had been damage done. So I made my way back up to the field and um, discovered then that there was a number of lambs dead in the field. And uh, the lady herself came in. She was very apologetic. I caught the dog. And um, a very nice dog, very friendly dog. He wasn't a vicious, wicked dog towards me or anything. And um, that was it. Then we evaluated the situation, discovered um, the guards came out. The, um, we discovered then that there was a sheep that had actually ended up in the river. She drowned, and um, we discovered then that there was five lambs in total killed. So uh, yeah. that that is the 
the, the event. It's horrific. It's a, uh, uh, how, how are you? Oh, grand. Listen, are you? you know yourself, yeah. it's been a bit of a whirlwind. It's oh. not something we've ever had to deal with um, in a number of years, thankfully. I'd say, um, I'd say you're well shaken by it, though. Ah, yeah. Well, listen, it's, mm. it's just sad for hard work. And, you know, you see your little your sheep there, you know, they carry the lambs for five months. Mm. They lambed out in the field because it has been exceptionally good weather for January. So, um, yes, just a little bit, mm. just a noise, you know, that um, that dogs, I think I think we need to get the message out. I suppose that's what this call is really about, about awareness. Yeah, absolutely. That the, mm. the friendliest of dogs, which this lady did say, to give the girl her credit, you know, that um, I never thought my dog would do this, that those were her words. And I suppose that we have to be aware that dogs have to be kept on leads or else at least be able to be controlled. Mm. So. I found the photographs really horrible to look at, uh, but uh, necessary to talk about it, uh, as you say, to send the message out there. I, I cringed uh, when you said you saw the dog eating a lamb. Uh, yeah. It's not the sort of stuff I'd be used to, you know, um, and, and it's very hard to take. Uh, and, you know, I'm sitting here in the comfort of a, a radio studio. That's why I was asking you, how are you? It must be awful to come across it and actually oh, yeah. experience like, it. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of shouting and roaring now. I don't think the lady took too kindly, but when you see the the, the horror, you know, of, of uh, unfolding in front of you, you know, and as I said, yeah, it's these little lambs running for their lives. And that's just, that's, that was the events that unfolded. You know, um, they're obviously sitting in the in the beautiful spring sunshine, and yeah, that's it. So, sorry, I thought it was important to get the pictures out yeah. as graphic as they are to just show the damage. I think it, uh, I think when people see little lambs, you yeah, know, and yeah. um, and you have them lined up. Uh, being it's dreadful, five of them lying together like that. Uh, we'll put them on our social media pages if you like. Uh, that message to uh, be spread further. Yeah, yeah, that would okay. be great. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, it won't bring back the lambs. It uh, won't uh, undo the damage. It, it, it won't buy back uh, the time and the effort that you put into the work uh, and all, uh, bringing them up uh, and all of that. Uh, but uh, tell us a, a little bit more about the dog uh, because quite often uh, we hear that, uh, you know, my dog wouldn't do this. What sort of a dog was it? Um, well, I'm not really sure of the breed. I wouldn't be too bad with dogs, yeah. but there's definitely a mixed breed in it. It was... Um, Definitely a Labrador in it. It was a a good, a very fit dog. Um, a Labrador. You know, a, a Labrador cross now with yeah. something else. You know, I don't know whether there's a bit of an Alsatian in there or or what, as I said, but definitely it was a mixed breed dog. Mm. Um, uh, a very, like I said, the dog came over to me. It, it, um, it was quite affectionate dog, but it's it just, it's obviously the instincts of it were to, to chase the lambs and, and that stuff. Mm. Uh, and what about um, the other sheep? I take it there were other sheep in the field that survived today. I mean, they must have all been frightened out of their minds. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Sheep do scare very easily. Yeah. You know, they're um, even, you know, when we have our own dogs working, you know, to help round them up, you know, sheep are very compliant with dogs. But um, there, there are still a remainder, eight, eight left to lamb. So, as I said, we've lambed them all out in that field. So, um, I'm just hoping that they will all be all right, that there won't be. Mm. you know any deaths as, as the rest lamb but yeah they're nervous and yeah. mm-hmm. a couple of the yos um, did stand over their dead lambs yesterday which was a horrific sight even the lady herself seen it and you know that uh, the, 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 the the nature was there to to, to to stand over the lamb even though he was dead you know yeah 
I'm, I'm obviously not the only person uh, who was appalled, uh, upset, if you like. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, I don't mean to overstate it, but it was really terrible to look at the photographs. Um, uh, but I'm obviously not the only person uh, who found them upsetting uh, because uh, I didn't realise it, but Marie put the photos on the LMFM Facebook page earlier and a lot of people are horrified by what they're seeing, Christine. And hopefully uh, all of those people, uh, instead of just being horrified, will say to other people who have dogs, don't let your dogs out on a lead because this is what happens. Yeah. All right, listen. Especially this time of year, yes, absolutely. I'm sorry you had to go through that and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have fewer of these stories as a result of you coming on to tell us. Absolutely. And thank you for taking the call and, you know, uh, drawing attention to the awareness of everything. So thank oh, you yeah. for that, Michael. Not at all. Okay. It's, it's really just dreadful. Thank you indeed. Christine all O'Farrell. Right. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, go back uh, to the phones. Grania and Drogheda uh, in touch with us about the cost of living package. And she says any supports are to be welcomed, but they're not really going to benefit my family too much apart from the energy credit. Uh, uh, another call to us about this, as I said earlier, with a, a lot of calls, uh, John in touch saying uh, that I was 100% right in what I was saying. When we went to the welfare office, uh, John says they practically wanted to know what we had for our breakfast. It's not a place that you want to be. Uh, and the government should be doing more to prevent people having to seek that type of help. It's degrading. Thanks, uh, John. Uh, somebody else, Margaret. Uh, Margaret, thank you for calling us today. Margaret is in Drogheda and she says she's very disappointed that there was nothing in the package to help to ease the burden of petrol and diesel. It's absolutely a fortune for both myself and my husband to get to and from work. We don't have any option to use public transport uh, and while the reduction in public transport fees is to be welcomed for those who use it, there's an awful lot of people like ourselves who don't have that option and we're being screwed at the petrol pumps. Uh, somebody else then uh, saying uh, it's an absolute joke. This is Geraldine actually. Thanks uh, to to Geraldine as well for calling us. Geraldine says it's an absolute joke the way they're distributing the €200 to everyone. She believes that only those who really need it uh, should be getting it uh, instead of it going to everybody, the richest and the poorest. Uh, We had Peter in touch with us. Uh, Peter was in touch uh, following on uh, from our conversation with Roland Mullen. Uh, He says, it's a free country and to quote Chuck Berry, live like you want to live, baby. Women have been second class citizens in this country for too long. Women should be entitled to do what they want and people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Thanks, Peter. I'm going to uh, return to um, what the minister was saying in the Shannon last night because uh, the minister was of the view that the intention of uh, the bill was good uh, and he'd agree with the intention of uh, the bill that there would be safe zones outside healthcare services that provide abortion services. Uh, But uh, he did say that there were problems with uh, the bill and that the bill would ultimately end up being challenged. The bill before us, as it stands, or even with minor amendments, um, would not survive a constitutional challenge, right? Um, So we either have to do some very kind of root and branch changes to it, or or we can redraft something. Um, and, and, and both of those options are there. But it has to be legally, constitutionally robust, first and foremost. It has to be effective. So we need to be very clear as to what our policy intent is. So are we talking about safe access zones around um, maternity units? We are. Are we talking about safe access zones around GP clinics? I believe we are. Are we talking about safe access zones around pharmacies? 
Not sure we are, but that's what this bill would create that, right? Uh, are we talking about safe access zones around students' unions' offices? Where I, don't, I don't think we are, but the legal opinion I have is that, is, is that the, the current bill would, would, would do a lot of things which actually I don't think any of us particularly want to do. And for example, if you create 100 metre zones in somewhere like Dublin City around you know, every pharmacy, every GP, the family planning clinic, etc., actually we'd end up in a situation where we couldn't have legitimate protest or demonstration either for or against aspects of termination of pregnancy, right? Wow, that's uh, very interesting, isn't it? Uh, because there, would be, uh, there wouldn't be a, a, a space uh, within 100 uh, metres or outside of 100 metres of uh, a place uh, that you couldn't protest, so you couldn't protest anywhere. It's a mad situation. Uh, let me bring you one more comment about that uh, before we go to the break. Tom in touch saying, people are entitled to protest. We live in a democracy and protests are happening all of the time. Thanks for your call, Tom. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's go back uh, to the Costa of Living package uh, as it was announced uh, last night and get the reaction of Social Justice Ireland. Uh, Father Sean Healy, uh, Director of Social Justice, is on the line. Good morning, Sean. Good Thanks morning, as always Michael. for joining us. Uh, you think that a lot of people will be left behind and it was unnecessary? Absolutely. They, they didn't have to be left behind, but basically those who were left behind in Budget 22 have been left behind again in the government's costs of living package. Uh, what you've got to think about is this. Uh, in the budget, uh, because I, I'm making this point simply because the ministers, several of them have been making the point that when you put the, the, the cost of living package with the budget, they've targeted everybody very effectively. That's not true. Uh, they, peop- they did not raise core welfare rates for two years. Now, there was um, there was a, a, an overall uh, increase of, a, of five euro, but to keep pace with inflation alone would have required an increase of ten euro. Now, uh, they the, the only gave five. Yeah, so that's two hundred and sixty euro. Add on the two hundred euro energy, and you're up to four hundred and sixty. And then there's other things like uh, you won't be paying for some medication now right, because yeah. of the ro- drugs payment and the decrease in transport. And that point was made very clear to us earlier in the program. It's a lot of money, five six hundred euro when you add it all up uh, but not when you offset it against the increase in energy and the increase in groceries and everything else for that matter. That's, that's correct and it, it, the, the whole idea like that they were saying okay they didn't want to do a mini budget uh, although it is a mini budget but they said they didn't want to do a mini budget because they wanted to stay within the parameters that were set in the budget and they didn't want to spend they didn't want to go off borrowing new money they didn't have to do that there are several billion euro in tax breaks available at the moment they call them tax expenditures in the professional literature mm-hmm. <laughs> okay within the within the departments and that um, but there are several billion that are going to huge transnationals who wind up paying no ta- little or no tax of any kind uh, now uh, all you have to do is change a few of those they've been told by they were told to do this by the last commission on taxation that we had which is what a decade or more ago mm-hmm. we now have a new commission on taxation and in that whole period they didn't actually go ahead with much of the elimination of these tax breaks and yet there was 130 something of them there at that time at uh, over 10 years ago and they were uh, they were what the recommendations yeah. were that they should have not uh, they should be able to uh, justify them uh, clearly mm. uh, know exactly what they cost 
and have a sunset clause in them. In other words, that they have to finish at a certain time, and then if you want to uh, continue with them, you have to go ahead and argue the case again. Mm. Now, I'm only making that point in the background because it's a good point. More than enough. Five, yeah. 500 million looks good. It's actually the total money is mm. 505 million. Mm. That, that's, well, that's, y- y- yesterday was 300 million on top of the 200 that for. Is correct. But, but, and, and, and the point you're making is a good one because they could have raised several hundred more million. But uh, if you take the 500 uh, that they're talking about, they're saying they want to get it to people as quickly as possible. Uh, but most of it, 400 is going to go on the energy credit. Uh, and that won't, that won't be paid out till April, May. Uh, I mean, uh, that, 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 that gives an awful lot of time. Had they decided to have a, a mini budget and let's say give a, a Christmas bonus type payment to everybody on welfare, they could have easily done it in that time frame, couldn't they? Actually, they, they could have used the exact same mechanism they used for the for the, 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 the credit that they're just giving, as you say, in May or whenever. Mm. Uh, they, 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 they could have used the exact same mechanism of doing a bonus to welfare people yeah. on welfare. The bottom line in this is the people who have the, 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 the people who are impacted on most uh, uh, are, are people on the margin, people on depending on social welfare and low-paid workers, and they're the two groups that they should ta- uh, target, and they haven't targeted either of them uh, in, a, in any in any real sense. The cost of living crisis at the end of the day is a crisis about income. And so the minister himself was on radio this morning saying, oh, well, I do, OK, I don't need it, so I'm going to give it to the Vincent de Paul. I say, grand, I'm glad you've given it to the Vincent de Paul, but actually you shouldn't have got it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom line is uh, the, 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 what they've done um, fails to deal with the reality of the unavoidable trade-offs people living on inadequate incomes have at the moment. They have to make them, in fact, not just in the moment, but over the last two years, they've had to make very difficult trade-offs between eating and heating, mm. that kind of stuff. Why? Because core social welfare rates were not increased at all in Budget 20 mm. and in Budget 21, and the increase in Budget 22 was only half of what was required to maintain the value of the of the social welfare payment. The other thing that people are being told, if uh, they can't live off what they have, and uh, this package doesn't solve that, is they can go to the community welfare officer. Uh, well, the, the, the people making that comment haven't a notion how the community welfare officer system works. Yes, there are community welfare officers. They do a good job, but they're actually extremely limited. We're talking here about six, over 600,000 people in poverty. Now, if you've, like, the community welfare officers are not going to be able to deal with that. You're going to, you're talking about over 230,000 children in poverty. You're talking about 1,300,000 people um, who are uh, have a job, mm. but they're still in poverty. And I wonder, I wonder now, while you give us all of those figures, if that'll be the case in two months from now, or will those figures increase greatly? Well, I, I, th- I think what's going to happen, very, and we're going to see this very quickly because um, uh, the, the actual numbers of the counting of poverty, okay, uh, they're, they're, they're because of the deci- decisions made at the Eurostat level in the Brussels, uh, the European uh, Statistical Agency. They all the all the organi- all the statistical organisations have to get line up. The, 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 they're doing the same thing at the same time. So the result is that Ireland has to bring forward its uh, next two studies on um, poverty. So we're going to get poverty numbers, I think, in maybe March or April, mm-hmm. and we're going to, and that'll bring it up to last year, and then it'll come up to this year in December. And so we're going to get new poverty numbers 
in March or April. Now, that won't include the current ones, but I'll tell you one thing for sure, the numbers will go up. And why am I so sure? Because welfare did not increase in the year that they're actually measuring, uh, that they'll be measuring that one, which is 2021. 20, uh, mm. And like that, 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 when you do a situation, when you do a thing like that, you don't give any increase to the poorest, uh, the people who are most vulnerable, and then the cost of living is going up. What's actually happening to the value of the welfare that they have? It buys less than it used to buy before. It's like this is not rocket science. It's very simple to see. And they're basically, we're simply saying to government over and over and over again, uh, if you want to target which they claim they did in this, okay, but they couldn't mm. do it with the, what they, the, the mechanism they chose. They could easily have targeted welfare, agreed to benchmark welfare at 27500 That would uh, require a budget, though, wouldn't it? Hmm? That would require a budget or a mini-budget. It wouldn't. No, no, no. You see... It would require a mini budget in the same way that yesterday's announcements required a mini budget. Like well, the bottom line. But yesterday's is, announcement was a, 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 a number of measures that the a package of measures that the government is taking. It wasn't a budget. It didn't require the legislation that goes the social code that would be right. voted on in the doll. And that's what they talk about when they say a mini budget. If you're going to increase social welfare, you have to have a mini budget and go through all of that process. But it did actually require legislation that, that does require legislation on the, on the energy payment okay uh, the, like the, the, the bottom line in this, mm. it only incre- it, it, it needs a one line but uh, if a social welfare bill, a one-line thing, increasing social welfare by a fiver. Oh, and I think they could do it. That's the point. Absolutely. It was making Jerry wrong by April, May, when everybody is going to get this, uh, regardless of who they are. You know what it reminds me? It's a bit like Alice in Wonderland. Like, uh, this thing, like, it isn't a budget because I say it's not a budget. It is a budget when I say it is a budget. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, let's. Like, we know, we, let's forget about whether it's a budget or not. You, you would have to do a small bit of legislation. You're going to have to do that with anything you do, okay? Mm-hmm. Any changes you bring in. Uh, call it whatever you like mm. um, uh, and, and, and I, I have no problem with that the bottom line in this is no matter what you're calling is the, what they did yesterday did not target the people who were most vulnerable and I think myself now when I'm looking back this is a characteristic that's emerged of this government. It is not prioritising the most vulnerable. And I think that's a a hard thing to say, but the evidence is very strong at this time. But we're also also being told that uh, the squeeze middle or whatever turn of phrase it is uh, for people earning 40,000, 50,000 are are also suffering, uh, and that's why they have to get the 200. Never mind those who are on 80,000 or got a pay increase of 80,000, but those who are on 40,000, 50,000 are are finding it hard. But what, what, what is that relatively speaking, does that mean that uh, they don't buy uh, clothes this weekend and put it off for a week or that they don't go out for dinner once a month uh, because uh, they're finding it hard, rather than uh, the situation where people are being told to go down and beg off the community welfare officer because they can't afford to put the lights on? I know. Okay. I think I think we have a situation on one side, obviously, where it's it's just like there, people are almost encouraged to go begging, uh, and in being sent into a space where there isn't a huge amount of budget available to actually deal with the problems that are there, and that's an insult to Ireland's poorest and most vulnerable. But the people who are on uh, sort of low to middle income, they actually got hit as well. And like, there, there's a couple of things that we would do at the bottom end of it. We would uh, do two things: make tax credits refundable so that people would actually benefit from the full value of the tax credits they're entitled to. Uh, and the second thing is that uh, you could you could go further than that and uh, ensure that people would benefit uh, further up 
by making a contribution uh, towards them. You could give them a one-off payment, you could something of that nature. But in between them, I think you should be also, the government should also be working to raise the minimum wage from uh, 10, 9, 10, 50 or whatever, 10.80 or 10.90 mm-hmm. is at the moment, up to 12.90 an hour, uh, which is what the living wage is. The living wage at the moment is 12 euro 90. Yeah. Does that get you votes? Or, or do, do you get votes uh, by putting a few quid in people's pockets so that they can continue to go out shopping every I tell you where you get votes. You get votes when you show people that you're actually concerned about the common good, that you're trying to build a society that everybody wants to be happy no, in, and you're going to be happy in. I wish you were right. I wish you were right. I think if it's like somebody should try it. Like, you know? I mean, the bottom line in mm. it is it, it, people do not want to be living in a deeply divided two-tier society. You look at Ireland today, we have, look at what's going on in housing, deeply divided two-tiers. Mm. Uh, look at what's going on in health two-tier uh, system. Look at what's going on in, 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 in a whole lot of other areas, even the, even the rollout of broadband, two-tiers. Uh, again, some people are going to have to wait so long for broadband that broadband will have become obsolete and there'll be some other technology in place by the time they get their broadband. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, you get the society you vote for. And I Pre- precisely. Yeah. We would suggest you vote for the, the people who prioritise the common good and make sure that we try to build a society with decent services and infrastructure and a good, good economy, mm. but just taxation as well. Good governance. Yeah. Note that the, 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 you, was people you can't suggest that the, the pe- people are wrong. This is what they voted for. I know, but the bottom line, mm. I think they were expecting more of this government in, in effect. For example, this government is not engaged in social dialogue with the community and voluntary pillar. Um, it is talking about doing it since it came to power. It's in power a year and a half or whatever uh, at this stage more, um, and it's still talking about it. They're like, that, that type of nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. what, what needs to be done? Uh, we actually have met the leaders of the three parties in government. Uh, they, they haven't come up with any justification for not consulting. They do consult a little bit, not enough, uh, with the employers and the trade unions. But they don't. Tr- there are three other pillars of social dialogue. There's the farmers, uh, there's the environmental organisations, and there's the community and voluntary mm-hmm. pillar that represents these kinds of people who are always being left behind. And it, what happened last night is a very good example of what I've often said in this program before, okay. which is if you uh, are not at the table, you're on the menu. I think I said at the start of our conversation you were disappointed by what was announced and uh, I think uh, you've uh, proved it uh, during the course Absolutely. of our conversation. Sean, thank you indeed for thank joining you. us. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. As always, Father Sean Healy, Director of Social Justice Ireland. Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, you'll remember uh, the poll for Vincent de Paul, the Red Sea poll that we spoke about uh, yesterday about who is really suffering. Uh, it's gone from uh, some 9 to 18% of the people who are finding it hard to, to cope financially. Uh, 48% of unemployed people, 47% of single parents, and a quarter of renters in both private and local authority. Uh, and that uh, takes uh, six. 61% uh, of renters uh, in total who are finding a struggle, uh, f- finding it hard uh, to uh, meet the cost of energy and indeed uh, the grocery bills uh, for that matter. Now let's uh, speak uh, to One Family, which is Ireland's national organisation for people parenting alone. We're joined by its chief executive, Karen Kiernan. And a very good morning to you, Karen, and thanks for joining us on the programme today. Uh, I think uh, it's probably true to say that there's a lot of single parents who are renting and 
who are unemployed as well. So they fit all of the criteria involved in those who are struggling most in this country. And you say the package of measures that was announced yesterday was a missed opportunity. Oh, it absolutely was. I mean, what any of us working in the charity sector who work with families who are struggling day in, day out was saying to government was, please don't give a universal payment to everybody. It's going to cost a huge amount of money and it's not targeting the children, parents, families who need it the most because the evidence is there. It's not just the Vincent de Paul's Red Sea poll. There's a lot of academic statistical evidence saying here are the poorest children in Ireland, here are the families they live in. What we're saying is if you use the evidence rather than thinking like a politician, we could have targeted much more and helped poor children have a better quality of life over the next year and the government chose to do something different. And it's really, you know, it's morally questionable that this is how public money is being spent, frankly. Right. And what have they chosen to do? Uh, Will people be pushed over the edge? Well, look, we've been hearing before COVID, uh, you know, about families struggling, but during COVID was absolutely horrific. People not having enough money, particularly for food, because children were out of school and a lot of children did get extra help um, with meals in school. And then since we were coming out of COVID and we're into this cost of living, spiralling costs of energy and fuel bills, all of that, Parents are absolutely at the pin of their collar. We hear we work with services around the country. We hear about people from all over Ireland every day who are struggling and making terrible choices between food and rent, between um, maybe a uniform for their child um, and a bill. Like they're invidious choices that mm. nobody should have to but make. But you can't do without the Ireland we want. You can't really. do without either. I mean, you have to eat and you have to pay your rent, or you've nowhere to live. And this is this is what's very difficult. A lot of people prioritise the roof over their heads mm. because we know that there's more one-parent families than homeless than any other kind of family. Mm. So people know the risks associated with not paying your yeah. rent. But people are mad also going without meals. Yeah. You know, they sure once a day. Uh, um, I, I hope you'll forgive me at least. I hope you'll forgive me for spelling it out. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're not decisions that any of us can take. If you don't buy food, you'll die of starvation. If you don't pay your rent, you're out in the streets. Uh, but maybe it needs to be spelled out uh, because uh, it seems that the alternative uh, that people are being told to look at is to go to the community welfare officer. Yeah, and one of the things that many of us in the sector, uh, including Vincent de Paul, because obviously they end up covering a lot of utility bills for people who are in huge difficulty and risk of disconnection. They've been saying to government, can you, you know, develop a discretionary fund to help people that would be administered through the CWO? So I'm not aware that that has happened. But, you know, where is the backup plan? People may default on bills because, as you say, they have to keep the roof over their head and they have to eat. They may not have to heat their house. You know, that's a horrible choice, but people are living in those conditions. And for some people, they're getting into debt. And then you can't get out of that if you're in a very low income. It's really difficult. And I suppose one of the other things is is that there are a lot of low-income working families who who also are very, very much struggling. And they have all the costs that you've read or spoke about, like childcare, bills, mortgage, they also need help. But because wealthy people also are benefiting from the extra electricity or, you know, Mm -hmm. utility Mm -hmm. payment, 
there isn't enough money to go to those families who really need it. Mm. So, you know, I can say for myself personally, I'm lucky. I don't need that 200 euros. So I will be donating that, mm. you know, to a charity that will make sure it can go towards somebody's bill who needs it. Because that's, people have terrible choices yeah. and they shouldn't have to be making them. That is not the Ireland that we want. And I don't think we want children to be struggling day in, day out. And that has just gotten worse and yeah. worse. Well, and I know. Very poor decisions. I know. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of us will donate the 200 euro. Uh, and would feel terrible if we didn't because we know we don't need it relative to others. But I'm not sure about you, Karen, but I, I think I'd prefer to live in a country where you made a contribution through your taxes uh, and that resulted in a just society rather than people having to rely on charity. You know, that's it. It's interesting. Um, when you go to Scandinavian countries, there's very few charities and it's because they don't need them. It's because the government actually takes responsibility yeah. and all the gaps the charities here are filling in and we fill in many, many essential gaps and we do it at very, you know, competitive costs. Um, but in other countries, they don't have them and they don't need them. Yeah, but they pay 52% tax. They do, but we're paying it anyway. So yeah, VAT yeah, yeah, is so yeah. high here. And of course, it's hitting everybody the same. So if you're in a low income a fixed income, you're paying the same amount of that as somebody who's on a very, very high income and on essential goods. And that just doesn't mm. make sense. So it's absolutely not just. And who gives the charity pay. in this country? Uh, I mean, quite often it's those uh, who can least afford to give to charity who tend to donate more often. Yeah, it's interesting. Very little comes from corporates, actually. Something like 2-3% um, mm. comes from corporates and individual people Often people who know what it's like, who've been there and maybe are doing a little bit better in their lives, people who've been through hard things, they donate. And that's, you know, mm. such an amazing thing to do. And of course, there's people who are wealthy and have the ability to do it who also donate, mm. which is very much to be appreciated. But charities are filling in a gap. Like our services are not provided by the state, but they now become essential for people who are separating, who are trying to share parenting of the children mm. you know so we may be state funded but actually the state is letting a lot of things happen and be taken care of by people either on a voluntary basis or on a lower cost basis but I suppose the, the, the crux of this issue is poorest children in Ireland live in one parent families we know where the poorest children are they're in their teens they live along the border counties and they're living in houses, in homes with either one parent or someone with a disability. Those families should have been targeted because they are the mm. ones who are going to continue to struggle day in, day out. And they have been for years. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really unjust. You, you'll be hoping uh, that... Like this isn't going to fix it. So we're still going to have people hungry and cold and, and getting into debt and unable to deal with their costs. So, so this isn't going to fix the situation. It, it, it's a sticking plaster for some people. It's something that some people don't need at all. But it's not strategic. It's not based on the evidence. And it's absolutely bewildering as to why it wasn't done in a way that was more targeted that will actually have an impact on the children, parents and families who need it. And we're talking a lot. Remember, this isn't just people who are reliant on social welfare. They're mm. on a very, very low income. But people are also working and finding it very difficult to make ends meet yeah. in Ireland. And, and you know, it's going to come round again in a few months. Mm. 
Yeah, well, we're one of the richest countries in the world and we have uh, a lot of people uh, who are defined as the working poor, let alone those uh, who can't yeah. live off welfare. I mean, what's the point of welfare? I would have thought the point in welfare was uh, that you would uh, be given the wherewithal uh, to be able to survive with some level of uh, dignity. And when we have so much wealth in the country and that isn't happening, you've got to ask yourself what's going on. But that's the kind of society we've chosen to develop in this country, it would seem. Karen, uh, we leave there for the moment. Thank you, as always, for joining us on the programme. That's uh, Thank Karen. you. Thank you, Karen Kiernan, uh, the Chief Executive of uh, the One Family Group. Uh, thanks uh, to uh, the listener or uh, social media <laughs> engager who uh, wrote on Facebook uh, about those photographs of the dead lambs and ewes. Always said it, no such thing as a pet dog when it comes to livestock, unless it is a farmer's dog. This myth of, he, he wouldn't touch you doesn't wear with me. All dogs should be on a tight rein at all times. Many a person got bitten while out for a walk when walking by somebody else's dog. Thanks, uh, as I say, uh, for making contact. Uh, whether you've been in touch with us through social media or on the phone, uh, it's always great to hear from you. Christopher uh, on Facebook said, I thought dogs were supposed to be l- uh, on a lead in public. Mine is a pet, but uh, still on a lead. Uh, Kira has uh, been on the phone to us and she thinks that the blanket approach taken by the government uh, with the cost of living measures is the wrong type of approach. Uh, it's entirely wrong, in fact, she says. Uh, it's not the best use of state funds. Uh, there's no two sectors that are experiencing hardship in, in the same areas and government should have targeted the measures to ensure that each sector got help where it's needed and needed most. Example, she says, rent freezes for tenants, help with childcare costs for struggling parents, lower fuel prices for hard-pressed commuters, help with energy bills for pensioners, etc, etc, etc. This one-size-fits-all approach does not work. Says Kira. thanks uh, indeed uh, for your considerate thought and sharing it with us, Kira. Bernard said he can't believe that the government did nothing to halt the ever-increasing fuel prices. This is where people are being hit hardest. It's all well and good, he says, cutting the cost of public transport, but that only benefits you if you're living somewhere where you can get on a bus or a train. And that's not the case for everybody in the country. So, as usual, it's those who are living in the big towns and the cities that will benefit, and those living in rural areas are left high and dry. Thank you indeed, Bernard, for your call to the programme. Michael Reed on LMFM. Just some more comments for you. Amy in touch saying the provision of safe access zones for women terminating pregnancies should be a priority for the government. It is a difficult decision. If a woman takes that decision, they shouldn't have to face being harangued and harassed on their way into clinics. Harry discussed that the government did nothing about fuel prices in the cost of living package. That would have been a huge help to many people, he says, people have nearly had to double their spending on petrol and diesel in recent months. People have been very vocal about their bills uh, and how they're struggling, but the government has closed its ears to what people are saying to them. Uh, The uh, cost of living is why Derek got in touch as well. He says these measures are a joke and they help few people. They won't impact on inflation, fuel prices, the self-employed, etc. It seems to me this government exists to simply keep the rich richer and the poor where they 
are the retrofit scheme also only works if you have a few quid to spend in the first place and Colum in County Mead said he was listing about family struggling he says I'm married and my wife, wife is studying for a person in his 20s it's next to impossible to live I have to commute every day for my job it's very hard to make ends meet I'm not near regular on uh, public transport so that is not an option uh, to get to and from work. Renting in Dublin is next to impossible so I have to live a long distance away. I just can't get over the government. Where is it all going to end for us who are working but can't afford to live? Thank you, Colin. Thanks to everybody who has been in touch. Just so many calls we won't possibly get to them all today uh, because there's far more calls than we have time for unfortunately. Uh, But let's go to the phone uh, and uh, to the senior line free phone senior line one 800 804591 and Dempsey is uh, the communications manager and training facilitator with Third Age Ireland which runs uh, the senior line and a very good morning to you Anne and thanks for joining us on the programme. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you've been hearing from people Anne uh, who are, are finding it difficult uh, to make ends meet uh, and uh, if uh, that's the case what have uh, they said to you about what they would like done to help them and do you think that the package of measures has gone any way to address those concerns? Yeah. Good, very good point, Michael. I suppose most people who call senior line, they're not phoning necessarily to discuss finances, but over the past while, definitely money, money matters are figuring. And it, it, our callers, our, their main issues would be food, fuel and medicine. So to some extent, this package will help. And I imagine calls... I haven't checked in this morning as yet. Mm. We've been on the line since 10, as you know. And uh, I imagine... Some of our callers will be will be welcoming because every little helps. You know, yeah. they'll be welcoming the, the drugs uh, payment scheme is very good. It is. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. It's grand. It's the med- it, Absolutely, mm. they'll be definitely uh, welcoming the electricity help. The grant. I mean, I mean, it, we're talking about what three hundred twenty five. 225 euro, aren't we? 325 euro between the electricity grant and the, and the fuel. Uh, and, mm. and that will be definitely... 125, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. 325. Mm-hmm. And um, the, other, the other piece is, I suppose, Michael, in terms of food, a lot of our callers, as you know, they, they cook their own food. They don't buy takeaways. They aren't into the pizzas. And, you know, they're into the, to the meat and vegetables and potatoes. So from that point of view, they're very frugal and they manage their finances very well but at the same time uh, our callers would reflect the Vincent de Paul survey last year that um, 37% are cutting back on heating and are cutting back on food and we had a caller the other day who again I think it's very sad that the lockdown is easing and we're able to get out and about just at a time when we can't afford to get out and about so much. Somebody was talking about something as simple as not being able to go for a cup of coffee with a friend that she was budgeted and she was embarrassed at not being able to tell her friend. So, you know, it can cut very, very deeply and mm, people yeah. on low wages or, or very little money. Yeah, and then you have people living in one room, uh, perhaps it's uh, the bedroom where they can get it under the blankets uh, and just heat that room a uh, alone uh, and uh, that's uh, as a result of uh, the soaring cost of energy bills. Yeah, and that's really relevant to our callers as well, Michael, because an awful lot of our callers wouldn't have um, central heating and their homes wouldn't be very well insulated. So we're talking about, you know, coal fires or peat fires. And you know what that's like? Around the fire, you're nice and warm, but away very quickly, it's kind of like it gets very arctic. And then the 
corollary of that is that you're you're not encouraged, you're not moving around as much as you really mm. should do and would do in terms of your own overall health and mobility and that. So it's a bit of a vicious circle, I think. So heating is really important. Mm. And so to the extent that we're getting some relief in that, I think it will be welcome. All right. Uh, and what about uh, the retrofitting scheme that was uh, announced this week? Will uh, um, yeah, well, yeah, lovely in theory, but I mean, you need to have money up front. As obviously, you need to pony up your money up front. Yeah. So you have to, you have to uh, speculate to accumulate, isn't that mm. right? And a lot of our callers wouldn't be in the position to find that kind of money at all, you know. Okay. Uh, well, you're mm. there at the end of the phone. You're there every yeah. day from ten yeah. in the morning till ten in the evening. Uh, it doesn't cost anything at all to call. Uh, in the yeah. context of this conversation, that's a good thing. Uh, but it, it's one eight hundred eighty forty five. 91 uh, People didn't get a chance to write that down. They can call us and we'll give it to them over the phone here. Uh, but uh, they'll get to speak uh, to a, an older person uh, who's manning the phones and they're there right now. And we leave it there for the moment. And thanks as always for joining us. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank Bye-bye you indeed. Now. Anne Dempsey, the Communications Manager and Training Facilitator with Third Age Ireland, which runs at the senior line, one eight hundred eighty forty five ninety one. That's our programme for today, our programme for this week. Hope you have a lovely weekend, and God willing, we'll see you for our next programme on Monday morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.